It's happening all over again. We saw it in 1994 in Rwanda and then in Bosnia in 1995. It happened a bit in Libya last year, but then the international community seemed to jump into action with much more haste than in the other cases. It is the beginning of March 2012, and today it's now almost a year since the uprising against Syrian President Bashar al-Assad began. And in the last 11 months, the estimated death toll is almost 8,000. People continue to protest, and the Syrian forces continue their aggression. And outside Syria, the international community cannot decide what to do. The UN Human Rights Council has been accused of prolonging the crisis by not acting to put an end to the Assad regime's crimes against humanity. It's clear that the Arab Spring of Egypt and Tunisia will not be repeated in Syria. And the more we wait, the more innocent Syrians will be killed. The United Nations has passed a resolution condemning the violence in Syria and has asked Assad to end the human rights violations and to step down. But is that all that we can do? Now, I am not a proponent of violence, nor of war, but isn't this an example of when the just war theory can be applied? Isn't this how we justify having gone into the Second World War? In Bosnia, more than 8,000 Bosnian Muslims were killed before the United Nations took action. In Rwanda, 500,000 people were hacked to death in a mere two days while UN forces stood and watched. Will it be the same in Syria? The Vatican has called for the end of the violence in Syria and underlined the role of Christians in the Middle East. Let's take it a step further and also keep our Syrian brothers and sisters in our prayers for their safety, for an end to violence, for justice, and for freedom. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today, Sister Marie Paul returns to review two films, and that's going to be in about 20 minutes. And Andrew Santos will introduce us to the Saint of the Weekend, Sheridan, as always, will bring us up to date with what's happening in dioceses across Canada. And Krista Matrenko is sitting here with me. Chris, what's in the headlines today? Well, the Pope is going to be going to a very famous city in June. I'll tell you about that. It was just announced. Also, uh, I'll be telling you about his plans for Lent. And, uh, and finally, the Holy See has made an important statement on uh, a very uh, pressing global conflict. Good. So details on those stories coming right up. Now, Chris, if you remember a couple months ago, we were talking about the Catholic Digest because they were celebrating their 75th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And part of that anniversary involves a little bit of a, a facelift. And uh, they have a new editor-in-chief. And I'm going to be speaking with, I don't know if you've heard of her, Danielle Bean, danielbean.com. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be joining us in our second half hour. Um, looking forward to chatting with her. And also in the second half hour, we'll be speaking with a really good friend of mine, singer-songwriter Tom Tomasek, about his newest venture. So I hope you find this intriguing. A website that's called thefiveloaves.com. Hmm. So uh, we're going to begin with Tom. This is one of his songs called Come, Lord Jesus, Come. And it's a song by Steve Angrisano. Come, come and fill my heart with 
was Tom Tomasek's Come Lord Jesus Come, sung by Steve Angrisano. And we'll be speaking with Tom in our second half hour. And in about 15 minutes, Sister Marie Paul Curley will tell us what she thinks about some Oscar films. But first, Chris is still here with me. So the Holy Father will be traveling in June. That's right. He's going to be going to Milan. And it's actually been a really long time since he's gone to Milan, even though it's a city within Italy. And apparently the last official visit was John Paul II in 1984. Really? So I actually had to go, when I read that, I really? thought, that can't be right, because he travels to Italian cities all the time. So I looked on the Vatican website, and sure enough, that was the last time a Pope has gone Isn't there. It just down the street? <laughs> well, I mean, relatively speaking, sure, you know, compared to these international yeah, trips, exactly. like his upcoming trip to Mexico, Mexico and Cuba. And uh, the Cardinal Archbishop of the city, Angelo Scola, he, th he says it's an extraordinary trip given that uh, the Pope's trips within Italy rarely last longer than a day, and this will be a three-day trip. And the main reason he's going is for the World Meeting of Families, it's called. Right. Now, before those events, he will be speaking at a, at a concert in his honor, being held in his honor at the famous La Scala, 
Uh-huh. And then uh, he'll be meeting with men and women religious, uh, people who are being confirmed, who are about to have their confirmation, uh, civil authorities. And then uh, the two main events of the World Meeting of Families are Saturday night and then the Sunday morning Mass uh, and the recitation of the Angelus. And um, that's going to be happening once again June 1st to 3rd. Uh, before that, uh, he'll be going to Mexico and Cuba from March 23rd to 29th. Now, Lent. Uh, the Pope has uh, been using his addresses lately to prepare us for Lent and at the Angelus on Sunday. Uh, he talked about the temptations that we experience. Pedro, do you find that Lent is a particular period of temptation for you? Maybe absolutely. to drop your Lent? I, I do, commitment? absolutely, because you give something up and that's the one thing that, you know, normally, if had I not given it up, it wouldn't be a problem. Of course. But because you gave it up, oh, you're yes. thinking about it. All it's on your time. mind. Absolutely. Well, uh, the Pope uh, says that that's normal. He says that the Lord chose, the Lord himself chose to undergo the attack of the tempter so as to defend us with his help and to instruct us with his example. Mm-hmm. The Pope sees it as an opportunity uh, because man is never free from temptation, but we can become stronger than the enemy by following the Lord every day with patience and humility, learning to build our lives not without him, as if he did not exist, but in him and with him, because he is the true source of life. So the Pope is saying that, um, you know, we're not supposed to be doing this on our own power. This is an opportunity for us to to rely on him, because, I mean, some of our commitments are rather hard. Now, the Pope uh, will be, um, actually began on Sunday evening, spiritual exercises every year. Really? Uh, he does this. And uh, this year they're being directed by Cardinal Laurent Monsingwo Pasinia, was the Archbishop of Kinshasa in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, continued through March 3rd, and all audiences were suspended during that time, which was a retreat for him and other, uh, and other uh, officials of the Roman Curia, uh, the, the administration in the Vatican. Now, finally, Pedro, I want to tell you about Syria. Um, a delegation from the Holy See has addressed... Uh, the United Nations Human Rights Council in Geneva on the subject. And it's important that we don't forget what's going on there. And so I appreciate that you dedicated your opening commentary to the subject of Syria. Yes. And, uh, and the delegation in its statement said that they expressed their solidarity with the victims of violence and appeal for urgent humanitarian and medical assistance uh, to relieve the suffering of those who were wounded and injured. Now, um, they also said that uh, the Holy See is convinced that regional and multilateral organizations are an important instrument in promoting peace and stability in the world. And that certainly has been one of the major difficulties is being able to get uh, some of these international yes, organizations like the United Nations uh, to be able to, to make a difference and, yeah, and, f- and resolve the conflict. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's keep them in our prayers. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Krista Mitrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Jillian Cantor, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And if you ever wonder how to talk to your kids about relationships and intimacy, there's a great new book out there called How Far Can You Go by Brett Salkeld and Leah Perot. It's now available at Amazon.com. It's getting some great reviews and certainly worth checking out. Now it's time for... 
Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. How's it going, Pedro? It's going good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Um, you ready for Saint of the Week? Yes. Who's our saint? Okay. Saint Francis of Rome. Okay. I don't okay. think I've heard of her. Well, now you're going to hear all about it. So sit back and listen. All right. Saint Francis of Rome uh, was born. Well, she was born in the year 1384 in Rome to a wealthy family. Okay. When she was 11 years old, she wanted to be a nun. Uh, but at the age of 12, her parents actually forced her to marry a commander of the papal wow. troops of Rome. What year was this? 13? This okay. was 1384. Wow. I can't imagine getting married at the age of 12, but common, here, yeah. here is someone who did. Yeah. So she married this commander of the papal troops of Rome who also actually was wealthy. Yes. Um, the marriage was arranged and this marriage lasted 40 years. Wow. It's quite a, quite a long time. Hmm. Now, Francis experienced many troubles in her marriage. And along the way, she lost, unfortunately, two children to the plague. Mm -hmm. It ended up sensitizing her family to the needs of the poor and those around her. Right. In her husband's absence, absence during a period of forced exile, he was in the he was in the army, so right. he had to go through a forced exile. Um, much of his own property and possessions they were taken and they were destroyed. Okay. So, in the course of one occupation of Rome. Her husband, Lorenzo, was so wounded, he was really wounded, um, that he died. And that was in the year 1436. Mm -hmm. According to one legend, their son, Batista, was to be delivered as a hostage to the commander of the, the troops, the Neapolitan troops. Obeying this order um, with the command of uh, her spiritual director, um, St. Francis brought the boy to Campodoglio. Mm -hmm. On the way, she stopped... Uh, in a church, and she entrusted the life of her son to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. So when they arrived at the site, the soldiers went to put her son on a horse uh, to transport him off to captivity. Right. The horse, on the other hand, it refused to move, uh, <laughs> despite you know them yeah. whipping the horse really heavily. So the superstitious soldiers, they actually saw that, um, yeah. what happened with the horse as the hand of God, yeah. and they ended up returning Amazing. Batista to Amazing. Francis. So St. Francis, she practiced continence um, and she had a life of contemplation. She was really known for that. Um, she was also known for her visions. Um, she had the gift of miracles and ecstasy uh, as well as the bodily vision of her guardian angel. Really? I don't know many people like that. No. Uh, she also had revelations concerning purgatory and hell and she foretold the ending of the Western Schism. Interesting. She could read the secrets of consciences, and she actually detected plots of diabolical origin. <laughs> so she had a wow. lot of people figured out. Yeah. Uh, along with her sister, St. Francis, she prayed. In her time, she visited the poor. She took care of the sick. And she also inspired other wealthy women in Rome to do the same. Uh, she also turned part of the family's country estate into a hospital. On the feast of... The Assumption of Mary in the year 1425, mm -hmm. she founded uh, a movement, the Olive Ten Oblates of Mary, oh if yeah. you've heard of them. Um, so it's a confraternity of, of pious women, and it's attached to a church in Rome, mm -hmm. the Church of Santa Maria Nova. So it's her order. It's not cloistered, and it's not bound by formal vows. Mm -hmm. um, that was made so it could follow a pattern of of uh, a life of prayer while at the same time answering to the needs of the poor, which right. Francis was really big on. Uh -huh. In March, f the year 1433, she, um, you know, she founded that uh, monastery 
and um, she became the group's president. And then in the year 1440, uh, she died and was buried in, um, in that church, hmm. the Church of Santa Maria Nova. Right. So more importantly, uh, of, uh, her feast day is Friday, March the 9th. We okay. celebrate her in the life of the Universal Church. Excellent. So that's St. Francis of Rome. Feast Day, March 9th. Thank you. I, I didn't know anything about her. I had never heard of her. So there you go. A new saint for my, uh, for my repertoire. Exactly. Thank you very much, Thank Andrew. Thank you, Pedro. Andrew Santos, our saint expert in about five minutes. What's happening across our country with Sheridan. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Marcel Dion, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now it's time for... Sister Marie Paul's movies. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. It's great to be here, Pedro. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Did you get to watch the Oscars last weekend? You know, I did, and I was so pleased that Hugo won uh, a bunch of awards, actually, for its visual um, effects and its right. Such a beautiful film to watch, and it's actually the film I wanted to talk about. Is it? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I've heard great things about it, so tell us. It's, it's a film adaptation of the children's book, The Invention of Hugo Cabret by Brian Selznick, and it's really the story about an, an orphan, Hugo, who's, uh, who loses his father and is then abandoned by his uncle, um, and he's left to live in the train station and run the mechanical clocks at the station. And this station becomes our world. As a matter of fact, it's very much a steampunk kind of world um, that we're brought into. And uh, it's amazing and colorful and brilliant. And Hugo isn't, uh, he's, he's abandoned and he has no, he's basically living in hiding in the walls of this train station. Right. But he's eager for connection and he watches the world outside around him. Uh, which and 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 dying, he really is eager to reach out and connect with people. Uh-huh. It's a great story because not just the cinematic imagination is just brilliant, mm-hmm. but the way that Hugo uh, puzzles through a mystery left behind by his father, this little automaton, a mechanical man, right. that Hugo is convinced is going to give him a message from his father. And this little mechanical man does become, in a way, the keystone to everything that happens in the mm-hmm. film. And he just goes on this adventure to discover what this, what the mystery will reveal with his friend Isabel. So while it's a children's adventure story that is, I think, very engaging for children, it's also an amazing look at the history and the very beginnings of film, especially through the work of one of the great pioneers of film, Georges Méliès. Right. And it's cool because you're looking back at like the first science fiction film ever made you actually get to see a piece of it in the film Mm -hmm. and at the same time you're reveling in martin scorsese's use of 3d that's bringing film into the future for us today so it's it's amazing um good in terms of its window to the soul i think the line that really struck me was when hugo who repairs all the clocks and is trying to repair this little automaton he talks about the purpose of, you know, fixing the machine so that they can fulfill the purpose for which they're created. And then he wonders what his purpose is. So it really kind of gets, kind of alludes to that sense of, you know, the height and depth of the, of the human vocation, which is to love and to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that becomes kind of the through line for Hugo throughout the film. So it's one of Scorsese's best films, definitely one of his most hopeful. 
But he also makes it very accessible um, and available for children and gripping for adults. Good. So a good movie to watch with the whole family. It's a great family film, yes. Great. Good. The other film I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. is Mighty Max, which has uh, just released to DVD and is has not been as available to find here in Canada, right. although it's been a bit more available in the States. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a wonderful story, kind of a, um, a Hoosiers for women's basketball, I would say. Right. Uh, the story of uh, basically a, a very, like the Cinderella team of Immaculata College in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, who miraculously, really, win the first ever, ever collegiate award for women's basketball mm-hmm. in, back in 1972. So it's Based on a true story, um, the team had no gym. Um, the school itself was struggling for survival, and they have horribly, terribly outdated uniforms that they have to run around in yes. um, in the movie and in the real life on the team. So um, it's a great film in terms of following your dreams. Right. Uh, can I ask you, because the, the, the Immaculata College is run by nuns, and there are nuns in the movie, and I always find that sometimes portrayals of nuns in movies are not very real or cheesy. Yeah. What, did, what did you think? Because you're a nun. I, uh, that, you know, I'm, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm always looking for the, it's how are they portraying religious life? Well, yeah. the sister servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary come off really well in this yeah. film. And I think the portrayal is realistic and shows that, while it's a, while it's a lighter film, it's, it's more of a comedy, um, it does show that there is a depth that has to come in living religious life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things I really like about the film overall, is that it's a faith-friendly film, mm-hmm. where faith isn't so much the point of the film as the context in which the story is lived. Uh, the film itself is really about, you know, the struggle for to be equal for every person's equality. And it does a great job with showing what this college, these women, the, even the sisters themselves are up against. So... Uh, it's not a preachy film. It's got some really good acting, a solid script, um, but a very inspiring film if, if you're a sports fan, and especially oh, if you good. love women's basketball. Good, so it's not, not preachy. So it's like a sister acts meets the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, that's Something a great like that. description, Pedro. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, good. So, so, and, and I understand that it's, it's out on DVD and it's available at uh, Pauline Books and Media stores across North America that's if people right. are looking for it. That's right. So if you need it, stop in and, and pick it up. Great. Okay, so good, uh, two good uh, tips there, Hugo and Mighty Max. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Thank you, Pedro. God bless. Sister Marie Paul is is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. Hi, I'm Chris Dimitrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Sheridan, how are you? Hi, Pedro. Today I wanted to talk about the importance of finding and making holy friendships. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, during the Holy Father's Ash Wednesday homily, he described the world as a desert. And, you know, that really got me thinking mm-hmm. because sometimes it's not just the world out there that feels like a desert. Sometimes you can feel that inside of your own church community or you can right. feel that inside of your own heart. You know, when you just feel yeah, completely yeah. Yes. drained, yes. like, you know, nothing is inspiring in you anymore. Um, you know, perhaps it's the fact that you know, your chaplaincy isn't just as great as, you know, you imagined it mm-hmm, could be. Or mm-hmm. maybe you're having a hard time at the parish trying to get people motivated. Or, you know, no one's coming out to your events. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes I feel, whenever I feel like that, I remember to take time to turn to the Lord and 
to spend time in prayer so I can refocus. Mm -hmm. But the other part, which I think is so, so, so important, is to search out and spend time with people who are going to inspire you in your faith. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we, we see in the saints, right? They're friends with each other and they, they inspire each other because holiness is contagious yes. and so is joyfulness. Yes. And so you have to be surrounded by people who are going to encourage you and inspire you mm -hmm. to keep on living that Christian life because yeah. it's difficult. And, uh, and so I'm basically speaking to all those out there who, you know, if you're feeling kind of down in the dumps about stuff or you're just not feeling that inspired, mm -hmm. get out there and find people who are going to inspire you. Like search out those youth communities, those youth movements that really inspire you. And, and one that I want to really share with you is the Jesus Youth. Right. Um, they're an international Catholic youth movement with a charismatic spirituality. Yeah. So from what I understand, they had their beginnings out in uh, Kerala, India. Mm -hmm. But now they're active in Everywhere, more than yes. 25 countries around the world. And um, they're a network of just young, vibrant people who strive in their ordinary circumstances to give time to the Lord and to respond to mm -hmm. the challenges um, of living in the world, but not being of the world. Right. And so, um, for example, uh, tonight, the, one of their latest events is out in Hamilton, Ontario. And what they did is they invited all the university and colleges, students around uh, yes. Ontario, to come out to an event called Encounter Something Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you really want to be, to be inspired. You want to go out and check out. Right. And so... That's, uh, if you want to check out more about um, Jesus Youth, go to canada.jesusyouth.org or you can contact Mimi at somethingbeautifulhamilton at gmail.com. And another cool youth movement is the Montreal Catholic Challenge. And their goal is to bring young adults aged 18 to 30 uh, to encounter Christ in community through what they call uh, challenge weekend retreats. Mm -hmm. So basically these retreats provide an, uh, you know, an opportunity to get together and get ongoing support and encouragement. And the cost for the entire weekend, and that includes everything, is $45. And basically you, uh, you can sign up for one next weekend. Uh, there's one Friday, March the 9th through Sunday the 11th. And you want to do, if you want to get involved in that, you'll want to sign up ASAP because yeah. you need at least a week in order to, to right. get so registered. Right, so that's in the Montreal area. Yes, and that website is montrealchallenge.ca. And don't forget, in Ottawa, the Canadian Catholic Youth Ministry Network mm. is holding their biannual conference. It's the same weekend, uh, March 9th through the 11th, at the Ottawa Marriott Hotel. So Andrew Santos and Sebastian and I are going to be there. So stop by and say hi if you're in the area and For you're sure. attending that conference. This year's speakers include Archbishops Durocher and Prendergast yes. and uh, Smith. So uh, they've also got some great workshops there, for example, how to defend your faith and um, even one on parish politics. Mm. And most importantly, uh, on the importance of prayer in order to regain spiritual focus. So check out bestill.ca. And that's all for this week. God bless. Yeah, good. Thank you. So lots, a good tip there for Lent, fasting, almsgiving and uh, prayer, but also seeking out holy people to yes. surround yourselves with. And this uh, last event that you talked about is the national youth event for Canada. So if you are able to go, absolutely go and look out for Sheridan and Andrew Santos and uh, some of our other uh, salt and light uh, uh, personalities yes. and come and say hello. Thank yes, you very hello. much. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sheridan. Coming up in our second half hour, a new direction for the Catholic Digest and how to live between Sundays. So stay tuned.
Do you have kids coming of age? Wondering how you're going to talk to them about the uncomfortable and awkward topic of teen relationships? A new book, How Far Can We Go? by authors Leah Perot and Brett Salkeld is a clear, concise, and fun guide on sex and dating for Catholics. This short book is a must-read for anyone who has to deal with these questions from young people. Look for it at your local bookstores or order it online at Amazon.com. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. A couple months ago, we spoke with Julie Ratty, managing editor of the Catholic Digest, as they were celebrating their 75th anniversary. And part of this celebration involves a whole relaunching of the magazine with a new look, new size, new content, and a new editor-in-chief, Danielle Bean, who joins me now to tell us all about it. Danielle, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yes, it's a, it's a, a, a very exciting. I'm, I'm sure that you've heard this, and I told Julie, but I'm, I've been a subscriber of the Catholic Digest for 20 years. So I'm a great fan. I love the magazine. Wonderful. So part of me is a little hesitant. So why, <laughs> why are we relaunching? Why fix something that's not broken? <laughs> right, right. I understand that. And a lot, of, a lot of subscribers who love Catholic Digest and love the history of Catholic Digest feel the same way. The, the fact is, though, that it's, this is a difficult time for publishers of all kinds and we're all trying to adjust to readers' ever-changing needs and the, the different ways in which people are consuming media, especially print media. Right. And while we don't believe the answer is for all print media to go away, we think we need to be a little bit flexible about what kinds of products we're going to be producing and what kind of a market we're going to be targeting with our magazines and just right. be really smart about how we're spending our publishing dollars. Okay, so that's a reason why. So what will change then? Right. Um, well, th part of this change, um, uh, previously I was editor at Faith and Family magazine, which is no right. longer going to be publishing in that form on its own. And so part of this change is a sort of combining of the content from Faith and Family with the content of Catholic Digest and trying to meet the needs of those two audiences together, which I think is a... a a challenge, but I'm up for it. And I think that there's a place for a magazine that will speak to Catholics at different places in their faith lives and at different places in their family lives. Whereas, um, you know, you might have an older, on average, reader of Catholic Digest and a younger, on average, reader of faith and family who's more in the throes of family life. Right. But I think there's room for... for Bridging that gap and finding the common areas of interest for Catholics at different ends of the spectrum. Okay, but but y it seems to me that that uh, um, Bayard Press, who's I guess the parent company, has been very careful right. to not say that this is a melding of the two magazines. Well, we're, 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 yeah, we're not going to be calling it that for sure. But we, you know, we're being very overt in the way that we're combining the content. You know, we changed mm -hmm. the, the tagline of Catholic Digest, for example, to say faith and family living. And there are some departments from Catholic Digest, from, sorry, from faith and family that are now right. appearing in the new Catholic Digest that are okay. more faith and family oriented. But at the same time, I've, I've done my best to be very careful and be respectful of the history and the tradition of Catholic Digest in those departments like Patrick's Corner and yes. Love Your Neighbor that people really appreciate yes. and um, identify with. So I'm trying to be respectful of the history at the same time as we're making these needed changes. Okay, so, so it sounds to me then you're, you're, you're taking all the good things from the Catholic Digest and adding all the good things of faith and family. It's my hope 
that that's what I'm doing, and we're very open to reader feedback, and we've gotten quite a bit, and I'm hoping to get more. People can always contact me at editor at catholicdigest.com and let me know what you like, what you might miss that no longer is in Catholic Digest, or if you were a Faith and Family subscriber, let me know how you're feeling about the, the switch to the Catholic Digest content. The more feedback we get, the better we can serve our readers' needs. Right. No, that sounds good. Um, um, you, you mentioned that you had been the editor of Faith and Family. You will continue now as editor of faithandfamilylive.com, which is going to be the online version, kind of what right. remains of the... That's correct. There's quite a community that we've worked to build there, and I'm, I'm thankful that the company is holding on to faithandfamilylive.com because it's, it's really a valuable resource for... Um, all different kinds of Catholics, but particularly Catholic women who are involved in their family lives mm-hmm. in particular. I mm-hmm. think it's a real useful, encouraging resource for them. So that resource will, will be there. How much is CatholicDigest.com changing? Um, it's hardly changed at all so far. Um, right now we're really focused on the print version, and eventually we will get there and hope to build a similar community at CatholicDigest.com, but there's very little that's immediately changing there. Right. So now, uh, again, to talk about, a little bit about your, your past, so you, you were editor of Faith and Family magazine, but you also did some writing for the Catholic Digest. Sure, yes. I, I've, I've worked for a long time as a freelance writer, so I, I'd had experience in um, lots of different magazines, including Catholic Digest. And, and would you be writing? mostly on faith and family issues? Or, um, I mean, on, in Catholic Digest, it, well, previously it was, it was a lot of reprints. It was making up a lot of the content, so it wasn't that I was writing fresh material, but some of my material from faith and right. family, perhaps, and other places were appearing there. What, uh, what is your, um, I guess, hope for, for the new Catholic Digest? My what real hope say? is that it can be a real useful, encouraging, forward-looking tool for Catholics of lots of different kinds, because I'm not interested in politicizing the magazine or turning it into something that's divisive, because, you know, here in, in the United States, we, we have our, our way that we like to talk about certain kinds of Catholics, and we'll put an adjective yes. before it, whether yes. it's a conservative Catholic, a liberal Catholic, yes. a faithful Catholic, or whatever Catholic. Yes. I'm not interested in the magazine representing any kind of Catholic except just Catholics and really celebrating our unity as a church and really bringing people together who could be at very different places in their faith lives. Some of us are, are just starting out and maybe wanting to explore a little bit, learn a little more about our faith. Some of us are very solid in our faith, but looking for resources to encourage us and support us in that faith journey. Yeah, no, and I think that that's very true. In fact, the Catholic mm-hmm. Digest as it is, I really felt already did that. Mm-hmm. that there was something there. I'm glad to hear that, because that has Absolutely. been a goal of Catholic Digest for many years. Absolutely. I, I even felt, and I know you have a lot of non-Catholics who read the magazine, uh, maybe even subscribe to it, um, that there's, there's something there for everyone and for every stage in, in your faith, uh, level of faith, if, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to, to, this other, to the other aspect. Um, and, and, and sorry to keep coming back to this whole faith and family thing. Sure. Um, I understand that you're a mother of eight. I am. So being a mom is a huge part of your life. Absolutely. Yep. It's it's really uh, my my first and foremost job. I, it's I like your to vocation. Call it Absolutely. My other day job is what I do. Catholic Digest. So how is that? How is being a mom, a, a wife, a, a woman, a family, uh, influencing your work at the Catholic Digest? Well, I think um, some people think it must deplete me and exhaust me, but I really <laughs> yes. find that the opposite is true. That my faith is enriched and my work is enriched by this this life giving vocation that God has called me to, which is my family life, which is serving my family in my home first and foremost, and I find that it feeds all other aspects of my life, and there's such grace that flows from 
fully embracing a vocation like that, that I think naturally it lends itself to other projects that I take on, whether it be Faith and Family or Catholic Digest and other writing projects. I, I find that it's a very natural flow for me to the, the graces and the, the kind of life and energy that comes from my, my home life and my family and my primary vocation to motherhood. Right. I find it really feeds those other parts of my All life. Right. Okay, so then the new, the new and improved Catholic Digest is coming, I guess it's out already because it's the it March is, issue. The March right? issue has been uh, reaching readers in the past couple of weeks, so we're yes. really starting to get initial feedback from people. Okay, great. So there's a new look. There's a new size. Is it new look more size, like a magazine? It's bigger, yes, and that's something I'm really happy with. Um, it's not a full size, you know, as, as Faith and Family was a full size magazine. Right. It's really a happy medium, I think, that it's still small enough to be portable and fit in your pocketbook, but it's a little bit larger. It's a six by nine, so that we have a little more room to do some more visual elements and really add a little bit of beauty and visual appeal to the pages Great. of the magazine. Oh, good. I'm looking forward. I haven't received. I always mind the ones here to Canada seem to come a little late. But oh, we, we always leave them. you guys last, huh? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it just takes longer to get up here. Yeah. But but I'm looking forward to receiving it. And Danielle, it's been a great pleasure uh, speaking to you. And, and again, I'm a great fan, so keep whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because oh, it's Oh, thank you so much for your encouragement. It means so much. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Danielle Bean, she's a mother of eight. She's the new editor-in-chief of the Catholic Digest and of faithandfamilylive.com. She is also author of My Cup of Tea, Musings of a Catholic Mom, and Mom to Mom, Day-to-Day Advice and Support for Catholic Living. You can find out more about her at daniellebean.com, and you can also learn more about the Catholic Digest at catholicdigest.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Tom Tomasek, with his song Grateful, sung by Steve Angrisano and Sarah Hart.
Tom Tomasek's Grateful, sung by Steve Angrisano and Sarah Hart. Tom Tomasek is an author, composer, educator, and liturgical musician. He's also a popular presenter for national and regional events and retreats, which is how I got to know him while he was event coordinator for Oregon Catholic Press. Now, Tom has launched a new venture with his wife, Kimmy, an online and events-based outreach called The Five Loaves. Earlier this week, I spoke to Tom, who told me all about it. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Good morning, Pedro. So, Tom, we met, um, I was trying to think, about 10 years ago, you had already been at Oregon Catholic Press for about four or five years. Yes, that's true. That's a... Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, the, we, were, we were getting ready uh, and prepared for, for uh, World our Youth participation Day. in World Youth Day in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, exactly. When we met. And, uh, I mean, I always think of you as this man who's d- going to events and, and doing workshops and always kind of your hand in, 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 uh, in events and that kind of thing. So it seems when I heard of you starting this new ministry, it kind of made sense, but I, I have to be honest with you that I don't totally understand <laughs> what the new ministry is. Um, it's, a, it's an event-based outreach. I'm not quite sure what that means. So can you explain what The Five Loaves is? Sure, sure. I would, uh, I would do even a better job, but the Holy Spirit keeps uh, still revealing this to us over time. And that's really kind of the uh, essence of it, is uh, how do you listen to the Holy Spirit in your life, and, and how does the Holy Spirit prompt you to do the work that, uh, that God's will asks for us, as, as we hear in t- this morning's Gospel? You know, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. <laughs> right. That means uh, our time now. So the focus of the five loaves, as, as it's been revealed to us over the last couple of years, is <clears throat> to help people uh, share their experiences of God, that holy longing, between Sundays um, uh, in, their, in their daily lives. How do they live that Eucharistic spirituality out from day to day? Okay. And uh, so we're thinking that it's going to take take uh, three three pieces to the to shaping that one is to to just do events where we help to bring people to that greater awareness um, uh, across the country and 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 internationally as well um, but also the website uh, and the resources and the events that will happen right on the website okay. uh, we hope to by the uh, by the time we launch at Pentecost we'll be featuring a weekly vidcast where we'll uh, present the notions of uh, the Sunday Gospels and try to take that into daily life. Okay, daily so it's v- okay. So then it's very specific of that s- kind of Sunday to Sunday everyday living. Yes, mm-hmm, very much. But so. based between Sundays, but, yes. but 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 based on the scripture readings or the themes of the Sundays, so that we yes. can kind of flesh mm-hmm. them out through mm-hmm. the week. Right, right. You know, for the last five years at Oregon Catholic Press, I've been focused on the New Roman Missal and, and uh-huh. preparing for this day. And, and I think one of the things that's become very apparent to me is is that um, while we do a wonderful job of preparing for Sundays, we don't always do a great job of helping people prepare for the every day in between right. Sundays. And that's really the focus of this ministry now, is just getting people to kind of uh, focus on the way they live the gospel spirituality every day. Okay, let me ask you then. So between Sundays, spiritual practices for every day sounds like the tit- everyday living, sounds like the title of a book. It's going to be a book, yes, it okay. will be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, so then again, this is one other resource that you're hoping to offer so, to help people with their everyday living. Right. Well, and as you know, in these days, you know, uh, all the media contribute, and people, different people respond to different media 
uh, in uh-huh. different ways. Yeah. You know, so the written word, the spoken word, yes. the sung word are all ways that people have access to and, and are encouraged and uh, inspired to, to live the gospel. Right. Now, I think most of our listeners are familiar with the story of the, the five loaves and the two fishes. Jesus multiplies the five loaves. So what is the significance of that in terms of the resources that you're offering? Sure. Well, I think, you know, for me, the, the, the really uh, powerful image is certainly, of course, of Jesus' uh, you know, invitation to the, to the disciples to feed the, to feed the people themselves and asking them to sit down and really discover the gifts that they already had. And, and the young man that was standing there, and I hear, overhearing you know, Jesus and the disciples talking about this, I think is, for me, the operative uh, image. It's like that I've given him a name, you know, Little John. You know, uh-huh. I think Little John has grown up now, you know, and he's asking the question, how do I share what I have? Right. How do I share what I do every day uh, uh, to live the gospel? So the five practices um, really uh, relate to those early experiences of the Christian Church, mm-hmm. the, the disciples of uh, hospitality and teaching and praying and uh, evangelization and really diakonia, giving the gifts. Right. Um, we've used those five Greek ways of talking about the early Church's charisms as the practices that really still need to continue to so. Interesting. You mentioned that it's the, the Greek because you mentioned diaconia. Yeah. So koinonia. Koinonia yeah, so is hospitality. Yeah. Didache is uh, the teaching. teaching. The teaching charism. Yeah. Liturgia, of course, praying, the work of the people. Yeah. And kerygma yes. is evangelization. Evangel- That's the one that I think has the strongest potential. When, when I've been doing the pilot events, um, uh, that's the place where people have easy, seem to have the easiest access to understanding. How do we tell those t- stories of grace and blessing? You know, the ways that God has already been working in our lives, and we never really opened our eyes to it. And, and when we're pushed to think about that, we, we realize that miracles are happening in our lives every single day, you know, in, in different ways. And, and when we tell those stories to others, that's when it becomes evangelical and, and you know, evangelistic in the best way. Yeah, and I mean, if, I, if you asked Joe Blow on the street, how would you, advance, uh, 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 how would you define evangelizing? Nobody, they wouldn't say it's telling stories of grace and blessing, but that's a no. great way to define evangelizing. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, it's not and so that's what happens when you do. Uh, you know, I, I use this example. I'll just tell you quickly. Yeah. Uh, w- one of the men in, in one of the pilot times uh, was talking about, he says, I didn't realize this at the time, but two years ago we, lost, we thought we had lost our son to drugs and a really bad life and so forth. And, and somehow, out of the grace of God, he met this young woman, and they, and they started going together. Well, worse turned to worse, they got pregnant. Hmm. And so we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's just off the deep end. There's no way. He said, two weeks ago, I saw my son hold his young daughter. They got married. They had the child. When I saw him look at her with eyes of love, hmm. I knew he was back. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I That's mean, you know, for a father to realize that, that even through circumstances that didn't even make any sense, God's action was still working. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and that's blessing. That's a blessing. Absolutely. Okay, so then those are the five, like there are five, the radical hospitality, praying, teaching. Yes, right. Uh, praying tele- always and always, seeking uh-huh. the teachings, 
telling stories of grace and blessing and then giving your gifts. Giving your gifts. Interesting. So, and I, and I presume, so then everything you do is sort of uh, grounded or anchored on those five practices? Yes, yes it will. Mm-hmm. We really see, you know, it's, it's good to return to the early church's understanding of how to live the gospel. And uh, so we'll be trying to express those in ways that make sense for our current day and age. Right. Okay, so uh, you mentioned that you would be, uh, part of the ministry would involve organizing or participating in events across the country. So how do you see that working? I mean, are we, because I I think of, can I go to another conference and not see Tom Tomasek? (laughs) 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 But it sounds like you still will be doing that just in another capacity. Yes, well, you know, at conferences, people have an opportunity to come and hear a variety of speakers and, and touch on a number of topics, and they'll certainly be able to do that, and that's been my work uh, for many years. But, but uh, my hope is, is to do much more of a parish mission kind of okay. uh, opportunity. So between Sundays, in its best form, is a, is, is a two-day experience uh, within a parish or within a parish area, a church area. Uh, because one of the things we want to do is to be able to open up the doors to our Christian brothers and sisters and say, this is work that we need to do collaboratively. Sometimes. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, when I first met you, mm-hmm. I think the first image I had of you was uh, a, a musician. I think, in fact, we met at John Michael Talbot's 20th anniversary gathering right. of musicians. Um, right. So where does music fit into this whole uh uh, I guess, umbrella, this whole plan? Oh, absolutely uh, woven throughout. It, it really is, um, you know, kind of at the heart of the matter. I think music has the ability to tell the message and tell the story in ways that are evocative and mm-hmm. in ways that touch the heart. <clears throat> and so um, I'm not sure exactly who coined the term. I think it might have been Susan Hukong Taylor uh-huh. referred to herself as a musicianary. <laughs> um, yes. and, uh, and in a lot of ways, I think that's what I have always been. You know, music has always been a part of my teaching and my proclaiming the gospel. Right. And uh, so I want to still find ways to use the songs, even new songs that we're just uh, creating now, to be able to tell and express that message. Right, and we've had a, t- a chance to hear some of those. So you hope that you'll be continue uh, composing. I don't know how much time you had to compose while you were at Oregon Catholic Press, but so you hope that you'll be able well, to... Well, that was a tough part, yes. I mean, when you're yeah. in administration and working with composers, there's very little time for you to do that yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so that's good. So I'm looking forward to more recordings then. Right. Yes, we're gonna. We'll, we'll have some new songs posted when the website goes <clears throat> into its next phase of, of development, and okay. uh, we'll have a little CD out this spring. So. Okay. And you mentioned that the official launch date for the Five Loaves will be Pentecost Sunday. Yes. Mm-hmm. So as of Pentecost Sunday, everybody should go to thefiveloaves.com and check out all the resources. You're you're going to start. You said with a weekly webcast. Correct, correct. We'll, we'll have a number of things uh, posted before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, in, in, in these days of, of uh, electronic media, it takes a while to build things. Right. And so we want to do some of that initially, and we'll be doing that throughout the spring. Right. But we hope that, the, that Pentecost will really be that time when everything is sort of congealed together and ready. People can already go to the yes. website and see sort of the nature of the practices and, yes. uh, and sign up uh, to, to uh, get further announcements. So we'd hope people could do that. Yeah, okay, so then that's good. Now, I, I, I did go to the website, and I was, was browsing around, and, and I saw that there's another sort of offering in the works called, because we got the five loaves, 
and now I read something about the two fishes that's coming up. <laughs> the two fishes. So what is that? That's, that might be too obscure, but we realize <laughs> that <laughs> resources are a big part of everything, you know. And so besides the five loaves, there were two fish, you know. And, yeah. and uh, there's a lot of wonderful uh, resources that are out there that people don't always necessarily have an opportunity to experience especially video resources. Right. Uh, so, many, so many of the uh, Catholic artists and uh, um, speakers and that have, have video products that uh, people don't uh, get a chance to see. Right. So the Two Fish is really going to be a very active resource center around the five practices. Well, kind of bite-sized things for everyone, so it makes it easy to find things and, right. to, and to get to the... To get to the uh, material that you might want to, yeah. to, to serve you. So I, l- I love the idea that, that we're talking about uh, food, and that the, in, in many ways that's what you're hoping to do to help people be fed. Not only to be fed, but also to feed one another yeah. and to feed themselves. You know, I, I, everyone has a spirituality, and so it's time to stop. You know, thinking about it as a future thing, but feeding it now and understanding how we feed it and what we what what kind of food we desire. And that Eucharistic food, of course, that feeds us on Sundays yes. um, is, is certainly the, the, the prime thing. But we need to be able to eat the rest of the week. And how do yes. we do that? How do we seek the teachings? How do we right. seek community? All those things are critical and important. It's very true, very true. So um, um, thank you for doing that, and thank you for sharing it with us today. Looking forward to Pentecost Sunday then. Again, people should check out the website, thefiveloaves.com and the big launch on Pentecost Sunday, and uh, <laughs> keep uh, your eyes on the two fish that are on the grill. <laughs> love it, love it. Okay, thank and you. And make sure that they say The Five Loaves, so there's a lot of websites out there, but that's the one that's ours. Okay, so thefiveloaves.com. Thank you, Tom Tomasek, Pastoral Director of The Five Loaves. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks, Pedro. God bless you. That was Pastoral Director of The Five Loaves, Tom Tomasek. I spoke to him earlier this week. If you'd like to find out more about The Five Loaves and spiritual practices for everyday living, visit thefiveloaves.com. Here now is a song many of you will recognize, written by Tom Tomasek and Steve Angrisano. We're listening to Tom Tomasek's Go Make a Difference, sung by Steve Angrisano. And that will take us to the end of the program. Today's show was brought to you by Brett Salkelds and Leah Perot's excellent book about sex and dating, How Far Can We Go? We'll be speaking more about this book in the weeks to come. If you're interested, look it up, How Far Can We Go? It's available at Amazon.com. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow us and don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. We cannot do our work without your support. And thank you for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. of peace.